millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome, leavers and believers, to this very different edition of the Leaving Hillsong podcast. I'm your temporary host, Sean Emorin, and uh, today's guest is uh, Tanya Levine. Hi. Uh, welcome, Tanya. Hi. Don't scare them. <laughs> how are you? All right. So may- maybe we can start with uh, how how do we know each other? How uh, how long have we been chatting? But I. My recollection, and we haven't discussed this prior to recording, uh, 2010, was it 2010 you got in contact? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was, at that time, I was working in uh, Cox Bazaar in Bangladesh. Yeah, so I think this would have been a few years after you 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 published your book. And, yes, I, I basically reached out for you know, a, a bit of a chat and I suppose we've, you know, we've been, remained friends ever since. And I guess it was a very different time in that not too many people actually had the, the currency or, I you know, the, the literacy to be able to articulate what was of their experience because, you know, a lot of the things that we take for granted now, you know, the quote-unquote, you know, deconstruction movement or whatnot, well, there wasn't even really a word for it or, you know, there, there, there weren't really anyone that was talking about it. But, I mean, many people were in the process of, you know, with, you know without a better word, deconstructing. And, and often, you know, with individuals like yourself and people you know, talking through things, talking about their experience. And, and you became a friend to me in that space. And I'm, you know, very grateful for that. So, uh, yeah, I, I really value those times. And, you know, suffice to say, there have been many people over the years that have, you know, had similar relationships with you. And I don't think you, I don't think you realised, you know, the, the impact you've had on, on people. Yeah. So I, I just wanted to, to, to preface this, uh, this podcast no, with that, you. you know, before we, we, we get on to some of the other um, discussions. So, mm, thank yeah. you. And mm. a humbler person, I don't think I know. <laughs> Then you, Sean, this is the Sean that, whose name I've been dropping in the last couple of episodes called Carl Lentz and the Trouble at Vanity Fair, which is a little play on the Vanity Fair article. I wanted to talk about exactly who I was because I didn't feel particularly represented mm. on this documentary. But Sean and I have been, yeah, do you remember 2010? Yeah. Is that yeah, your was, recollection? That yeah. yeah. I mean, you you travel extensively with your work at the United Nations. That has been so fascinating to me, as well as incredible experiences that you shared with me along the way as well. I've learned so, so much. So, yeah, it's been like a really interesting series of events between us. Mm. Yeah. And, And, I mean, suffice to say that, things are significantly different now than what they were when we first started to talk about these issues. Going through that journey with you as I've, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. we're all in the ongoing process of, I don't know that anybody arrives at final deconstruction and those shared experiences have been really interesting where you've come from a place where you just weren't 
interested in, you know, making any big statements to, you know, some years later, being on the pod in the episodes An Economy of Souls, parts one and two. So, you know, absolutely invaluable information and experience that you shared. And if, you know, if people haven't listened to them, do not miss these episodes with Sean. An Economy of Souls that is just, you know, in our first season, evidence of the support that you've always been so supportive and so positive. And I know that's but it's it's been yeah so helpful i know sometimes you refer to me as your clinical supervisor is very much a friendship and you know sometimes over the years have been some some difficult moments and and, and having people we had difficult with, uh, similar lived experience oh yeah well no in terms of yeah in, in terms of oh. where we're at you know in in the whole journey you know post evangelicalism where you know sometimes you think that you know is the truth ever going to come out yeah. or, yeah. you know, or is just this juggernaut going to keep on progressing and there's no accountability or anything like that? You know, there, there've been times where I just felt like, you know what, this place yeah. is just like Teflon. Nothing is going to influence it. And then just one day, wow, it just feels like it's on the sleeve. You know? and I don't say that with any, any joy, you know, it's, a, it's an extremely sad thing. Because, you know, there was a lot of investment, you know, from myself, from yourself, from many thousands of other individuals. And, you know, I know many people who feel disillusioned afterwards are really hurting, you know. And, you know, I I do hope that those people who have subsequently left as a result of the the, the truth coming out, they do find a place that is genuinely welcoming. They do find a place that is genuinely nurturing. And they do find a place that is overall self-reflective in terms of the way that they treat individuals their policies and processes yeah that, that, that that's 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 my hope you know for those individuals so does it yeah. sound cliche if i say i just hope they find themselves i've lost a lot of faith in the bigger group kind of structured thing i guess no absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. well I, I hope they find i hope they find their tribe you know who, what, yeah, whatever that yeah i hope they find their family whatever yeah. that might be you know i know i did talk in the previous episodes that i spoke about and can i just say that you know i i'm i'm grateful that you provided an opportunity for me to you know lend my voice to to others who were brave enough you know and at a time where any of this was it seemed like an absolute pipe dream and, and, and I also point you as well, Tanya, it's, it's important to note that there were people who put their names to things, right, and they said things trembling. That holds a yeah. great deal of currency, yeah. in my opinion. And no, it's not taking away from the people who subsequently feel comfortable to then come out later, where pretty much the battle's already won. But, you know, I, I feel that you know, it mustn't have been easy. And um, I'm sure that it took a lot from you. And I just wanted to ask you about that. Like, how, how was that for you? It must have been, it must have been really lo- a lonely experience for many years to go through that and, and feel, you know, that you weren't believed and things like that. So I just want to ask you that question. Well, you see, this has been a, a one of late that has come up and you do, to be... I mean, maybe I was being quite obtuse, but it never crossed my mind to think what they would think of me because I've been thinking about this recently. It's kind of like Mm. the flat earthers. You know, when you're talking to flat earthers, you don't think, gee, I wonder if they think I'm smart or not. These people seem to me so clearly irrational, clearly just morally bankrupt that I it didn't cross my mind what they thought of me yeah. I've since I've said well I've since found yeah. out there was pretty much a dedicated smear campaign I've I've got message after message from former members at some not so long ago that that report that you know it, and this is the weirdest thing right so a bible college student might turn up and get told on day one whatever you do, you know, don't look her mm. up, don't read her book, she's mm. bad news. And may I just say mm-hmm. thank you, Brian, 
thank you so much <laughs> for that. You know, because when you read somebody, yeah. somebody's seen yeah, yeah, your yeah. book, which I really think in retrospect is pretty tame, this book. Like I was, I was still yeah. trying to be very respectful and, and, and you know, honour a lot of the, you know, the sacred things. Uh, you know, when somebody feels terrified of your book, it's, it's still marketing. Brian, thank you. And then again, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, recently it's actually infuriated me a lot more because a lot of it has centred around that I'm crazy, that I'm unhinged. I forget the other ones, but, um, you know, I, like I said, there's, I'd like to know more. Yeah, sure, I, um, sure. I'd like to know more from people because, as I said, it didn't, it didn't occur to me. But this is strategic gaslighting of the people as well yeah, yeah. as this smear campaign. So, yeah. and it also absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a huge topic, but you know, it's it's fascinating because it's so very gendered and so very easy yeah. to say that woman over there is crazy. Um, it just doesn't stick with men the same way, and mm-hmm. how quickly we as a culture mm-hmm. believe it, but you know, in the church. So mm-hmm. early on, in terms of cost, very much personally with my family. So, in a lot of ways, this was a hope to address my parents' mm-hmm. questions, and and you know, who are you, and what are you, and, yeah. and I thought, well, you can't. I remember my dad, we were at the shops one day and my dad just, you know, in like aisle four at the supermarket and he's like, so are you a Christian? And I was like, seriously? Oh, yeah. oh this is going to take a lot longer to explain and, and I just wanted to explain it. I wanted to put an alternative view out there because there wasn't one. It was just Hillsong is good, church mm. is good. And I yeah. just wanted the information out there and then a list out there. People can make can make choices. But, you know, my dad, oh. uh, my dad who's yeah. um, now yeah. dead, oh, it's such a tough word, dead, isn't it? Passed away is so much sweeter, but he's not. He's, he's like, he's dead. He was a very committed Christian and a very genuine, sincere person. And it, it's so difficult. Yeah, you understand this. So to kind mm-hmm. of honour them honor these good people and also you know honor yourself yeah. and what mm. becomes more yeah. and more yeah. more and more obviously yeah. just not true and indefensible yes have you ever spoken to your your father about you know the the journey yeah i don't think he read he he would turn up to events that i had book events he was he would yes. say yes i don't share your views mm. but i you know he said i don't I may not share all your views, but I'll support you. And and that was huge because as I've talked about before, he was Brian's mate for a while. He was Pat's mm-hmm. mate. He was, you know, George was a business that they were all suiting, wear, suit wearing people together. And I cost him that. You know, mm-hmm. we we're already migrants. He was already a migrant from England to yes, South Africa yes. to Australia. He was already isolated, you know. He went to work, but those were his those were his peers at church, mm-hmm. and I cost him his church community because you can imagine they weren't uh, particularly supportive of him once they sort of got as much information out of him as well. What's, I'll never forget that George Adijanian wrote that banning letter mm-hmm. to me and then immediately called my dad and said, Alan, what's this mm-hmm. about a book? Yes. And, you know, I remember that quite early because he was, um, he he sort of, he he deflected George. Mm -hmm. It was the first time he'd sort of gone against their best. I was raised under that leadership model thing, you know, that God and the head of the house is the husband, all that stuff. So there was a lot of respect for the role of pastors as well as, you know. So that was a big cost initially. I mean, I don't yeah. know. Sometimes, sometimes yeah. I just don't get that call back for a job. Like, mm. you know, yeah. they'll interview and it'll go well, and we do the reference checks, and it goes well, and then nothing. And the absolute silence. Not even an unfortunately, the 
level of applications. Nothing, just see stuff like that, you know, and and mm. there's never mm. been any, from what I know, I've never been any interference with my family mm. or, you know, any of those things that people really worry about, you know, but no physical threats or anything like that that I'm aware of. The, the official line is, you know, she made trouble. She came into our church to make trouble and we can't we can't stop her. But, again, it's been so minor yeah. in comparison to the absolute privilege, this most incredibly humbling experience, which I never thought was going to go that far. I never thought we'd be sitting here. I signed a contract mm-hmm. for this book 18 yeah. years ago. What? And, and like yeah, you were saying yeah. before, like it is quite different from, you know, a lot of, yeah. a lot of latecomers to the yeah. show um, who don't know that, well, who don't know that there was an Australia behind it, who don't know about <laughs> that old man Brian. Yeah. And, you know, you've seen the whole, well, you've seen a good yeah, chunk yeah. of the, the long, slow yeah. march yeah. to, I don't know, whatever, whatever this is mm. right now. The unveiling. Yeah. So the, the interesting yeah. thing is that it's been a bit of content overload, right? And I guess you've got to be really discerning in terms of what you, you read about it because yeah. you know, you have people who, you know, who might write about it who don't, you know, don't have lived experience but yet talk about or make content yeah. about it. There's, there's just there's just a lot. But it's interesting what you said about how it's unfathomable for some people to, particularly overseas in places where it's difficult for them not to center, I suppose, the world elsewhere and let alone Australia, which is, you know, an exceptionally remote part of the world, I guess, to, to really center the story about the Hills District where I was born and became a place which effectively colonized yeah, the world. Yeah in terms of this evangelical yeah. movement, it absolutely blows my mind. He's a world you know? leader, Brian. Like, well, I mean, if you, yeah. you know, this, if this is hugely influential yeah. movement, and I think um, when you were talking about, you know, the, the evolution of deconstruction, while we were sort mm. of looking away, you know, this, mm. the population of evangelicals and, and Pentecostals just exploded, you know, I think particularly in the United States and what it, South America as well. I mean, everywhere. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And so there's just so yeah. many more people, so there would have to be so many more people leaving, mm. I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But t- t- tell, tell me about your most recent, your most recent escapade in, um, uh, in the documentary yeah. space. Well, see, and this is where we rushing through your virtual office door I guess to because you're social work trained you've got a master's in trauma let's get that out there so look this is where this long tail was really just wow where to start okay and you know I may start crying who knows where to start can, can, can I just ask you can I just ask you something quickly right and I think this is important to to articulate because you've you've participated in dozens of documentaries or, or no not 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 just documentaries I'm talking about pieces like media pieces on Hillsong or Hillsong related matters right but I've never heard you describe the experience as you are now what was it specifically about the Vanity Fair documentary that has hurt you Right, because I've never heard you talk anything about any any of the other, uh, you know, and and I and suffice to say that you know there were a few lowbrow, you know, lowbrow pieces over the years, and uh, fair enough, right? But this one, you know, I guess maybe you expected better. But what was it specifically about the Vanity Fair piece that left you so disappointed? Yeah, a couple of years ago, I was put in contact with the producers mm. who were. Yeah two writers who had written the most exceptional piece in Vanity Fair called mm-hmm. Carl Lentz and the Trouble at Hillsong. And it was so, yeah, it was so well researched and they'd really been able to get a lot of, you know, mm-hmm. people close to the source to talk. 
they've been, you know, quite inclusive mm -hmm. and, and supportive. And, and it was just a really well put together article. And as a result, I guess, of the traffic they got, they were, they decided to proceed to mm -hmm. make a documentary series. And, mm -hmm. you know, before long, the kind of the recruitment began and it's difficult to talk about this in retrospect without seeing it with the lens that I do now, which is, you know, they started by love bombing me. Two writers, uh, particularly yeah. one called Alex French and one called Dan Adler, and they were both very, are uh, both very impressive people. Alex has a very strong mm -hmm. personality. Uh, Dan is, seems to, he's a bit younger. He's got a, you know, a compassionate Edge to both school and compassionate Dan and badass Alex. Alex mm -hmm. French would like look at me on these Zoom meetings and be like gazing at me. And he would say, You are Cassandra. Wow. I just, wow. I just, oh, you know, Cassandra being this uh, mythological character that could see the future or something, but people believe or something. All right. So he's telling me all these things. What do we need to do to get you on board? Blah, blah, blah. Well, mm -hmm. it's Vanity Fair, right? And you don't have to know me for two minutes to know that I love celebrity. I love all the lights and gossip and the networks and the, <laughs> oh, just the yeah, sure. fascination with human behaviour, like all of it, right? So, and I have, or like mm -hmm. since I was 10, I've been reading these, you know, gossip magazines and stuff, nationally important. Anyway, so here we are, it's Vanity Fair. And <laughs> these guys were pretty much starting from scratch and that's that's cool. Like they didn't understand the complexities of religious trauma and all that. But they pretty, pretty soon did and they got on with. It took them a really long time to get a director and it wasn't until about, sure it wasn't until about June last year that Stacey Lake came on board and... That's when I mm -hmm. kind of had a bit of a oh, tantrum because I've done a lot of mm. interview. Everybody's heard my story already. Can't I do mm. something different and we highlight mm. other voices? Sure, people have seen me. No, 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 we've got to have you. So, yeah, they sort of then disappear again and then come back for information and go like, right, here's Stacey. Now, poor Stacey at this point had no idea, but... I was like, no, 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 <laughs> you guys recruited me. This was the whole thing, right? You did mm -hmm. the love bombing. You don't mm -hmm. then pass me on to my connect group leader of the, do you know what I mean? Like whatever passer you got. <sighs> Sorry, Sean. It's just, it really has hit me mm -hmm. and, and I know other people as well as being quite similar to the tactics of Hillsong. Mm -hmm. And it, Mm -hmm. And it worked. But it just hit me again. See, I have to say, I have to say, and I know for other people, that's the thing that's really mm -hmm. hit me the hardest out of this whole thing, um, sure. uh, how much I don't trust mm -hmm. myself. It, it, yeah. it just hit me two weeks ago how clear it was. So... I finished watching this documentary series and, you know, we can go into detail okay. at another time, but I, mm, I started crying. Yeah. Like it was just not, mm. I had watched one and two and thought, wow, this is really clever. This has so much potential. And then I finished watching this show and I start crying and something's wrong. This is bad. Like this is not what it was supposed to What? It's so wonderful. What? Just like, did I just say and I ended up, I went, before I went to bed, I made a post and then I thought, no, 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 save it as a draft. No, no, you might not be, you might be too extreme or something. And then I woke up the next day and I started crying again and then I went online and I saw a post by Nathan Hughes that he'd been in the, the series as well and he articulated everything I felt. And, you know, as I said, I physically responded so my breathing slowed I stopped crying um and I kind of psychologically aligned again I didn't feel you know that there was something terribly wrong that I it, 
I think I think this is a common experience amongst amongst many, and 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 sometimes they they might not have the the language to be able to to articulate the the, the pain or, or or the experience or as to why that happened or why they felt you know they yeah. allowed that to happen to them. You know. Thank you. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> we, we, I mean, mm. as far as I know, those of us that do this, these, you know, talk about this topic mm. and, and go in the media and say, we've never had this experience before. I know yes, I haven't. Yes. The only thing that's ever happened similarly, not even close. The only other negative experience mm. I've had is a current affair put together some footage of me when I didn't do an interview. And made it look like I had done an interview and they just used previous footage. Mm. But, you know, mm-hmm. that's them. Yeah, we we worked with Nick Aldridge who did God mm-hmm. Goes Viral with the BBC. You know, exceptional, exceptional professional. You know, not, not, a, not one issue. Then the major ones, Dan Johnson at Discovery mm. and his producer, Lauren, they're just you know, respectful and because yes. I, I, mm. I spent a fair bit of time trying to think it over. They were professional. Mm. They were understanding. They were accommodating points of view and honoured them. They, I just I just haven't come, haven't seen anything close to this. So these guys came in and sort of would swoop in, make a bunch of demands as well. So they would want like a truckload of information it's like well we don't actually like work for you there might have been bits and pieces along the way which I now see as red flags in terms of just anything other than just kind of making this super project I don't know I don't know sorry I will have to think more but obviously the biggest punchline if you want like a punch in the guts was was the ending of this documentary being so focused on Carl and Laura Lentz and their family and their recovery and their journey and their hard times and their good times and their hopes and their fears that mm. everybody else was erased with the kind of in the sea of Florida where these two don't actually now live. And that's okay. the other issue with this thing. There were so many inaccuracies some of them have to be deliberate, mm. yeah. calling people yeah, Sydney definitely. congregants who weren't in Sydney. So that's yeah. just, it can't just be an oversight. Some of it must must be bad research. There's loads of errors in episode three. Uh-huh. I mean, for a start, none of us that I yes. know of were told okay. that Carl Lentz was going to be in this documentary at all until the trailer dropped. And then... <laughs> and then, and this is, mm-hmm. sounds so familiar in my own ears, but I held, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? I had good faith and I thought, okay, they've got him. You know, it's going to be a great expose because these mm-hmm. are clever people and they've got, you know, they've got FX resources. So mm-hmm. going to be great. Stacey's a, a woman. She cares about, you know, mm-hmm. issues that she's, she's, you know, promising sensitivity and inclusivity mm-hmm. and all this, you know, diversity and all the right words. So I held this good faith and one and two, like I said, they're very stylish episodes where there's, you know, different levels of power being being looked at and from different angles. And then, uh, Sean, honestly, mm-hmm. episode three is all about the Royal Commission and child sexual abuse in Hillsong and Brian's trial. Mm-hmm. And then episode four, a lot of it is devoted to Carl's own childhood abuse, sexual abuse. And I just felt the, the viewer mm-hmm. would feel groomed mm-hmm. that there was an entire yeah. episode on child abuse, I think, to kind of mm-hmm. prep people for, mm-hmm. for hearing this disclosure. And I know that's cynical, but... Felt mm. like an insult to people who mm. have childhood sexual abuse in their experience, who don't grow yes. to mega mm. church megalomaniacs and you know exploit mm. people for t 
10 years and spend all their money and, you know, live this duplicitous life. And mm-hmm. the, the, his entire history was uh, pretty mm-hmm. much erased. So, you know, he had been at Wave Church, Carlin's in West Virginia. You know, there mm-hmm. were all kinds mm-hmm. of problems there. No, ignored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did not mm-hmm. consent mm-hmm. to be in a, a documentary about Carl Lentz. Um, and certainly not mm. one that, you know, has this strong narrative when mm. you look back, you know, Carl was bad, Brian mm. is terrible, Frank is evil, mm. so Carl is just a victim of circumstance and now he's been to rehab. Positioning Carl amongst all the other quote-unquote victims of, of Hillsong over to the, the point years. where he's then an authority on Brian's behavior. Mm. Yeah, so so now so now Carl becomes the uh, the expert into Brian's behavior. It's 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 incredible. I mean, I, I, there's just <laughs> there's just so much to this. They discuss uh, Carl's the irony sexual relationship with his nanny slash housekeeper slash his wife's friend who was constantly in the house. Mm-hmm. And Carl says, look, you know, it was inappropriate, but it's not abusive. And that's the, the story. Carl gets mm-hmm. to be the authority on that as well. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's not just platform. Mm-hmm. People were saying before it came out, oh, no, it's going to be Carl's redemption arc and, no, no, no. I said, no, I can't. These people are, you know, they're so good. They're very, mm. it won't be like that. And you look back and it's just mm. everything is set up to serve this narrative. Like, mm. you know, good guy gone bad. Yeah. He's, he's, uh... Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Anabotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Do you think the family would have participated in this in this documentary if there wasn't that goal in mind? It, it's just such a surprise twist, I guess, between the first two and the last two. I, yeah, I guess common sense and, and Carl Lentz would, mm. you know, uh, yeah. suggest yeah. that, you know, they're certainly not going to want to participate in a, in a roast. I mean, some, someone who's been, been outside of the public eye for, for several years now, you know, and, and yeah, well, yeah two, yeah, two and a half years, you know. But two. Individuals like that, they can't be outside of the public eye for for very long, right? So, you know, and in many ways, it's why I wasn't particularly interested in watching this in watching this documentary because I felt that that was going to be the outcome. You know, call me uh, cynical, but yeah. And I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry that happened. Not well. Mm. Mm. 
I'm very sorry. Like I feel like, yeah. you know, I got scammed like a noob, you know, from the beginning. And I, you know, I, I guess, I guess the the lesson is now. Okay, can I ask you the question? It's happen again. Okay. And if you can, let's of, have a scenario that Carl does participate in this documentary, right? What would you have liked Carl to say, right? What would you, what presentation would you have liked Carl to show that shows, I suppose, having worked through issues, being quote unquote, a redeemed individual, right? And, and do you think it's possible? Well, what is the urgency for certain people to have to preach or to have to have comebacks? You know, again, the, the Mercedes principle, like why? Why do you think that you need to, to be the voice uh, when, you know, particularly after these, these large things and this documentary left out yeah. the bit where he moves to Oklahoma and gets a job at the church? They left it in Florida, yeah. you know, strumming the guitar on the beach and walking the dog in the rain. And he's working at this advertising age. I mean, yeah. you've got to watch this thing for its comedy value. Yeah. He's working at this advertising agency. He just drives this beaten up car and works at this desk, which looks like it came out yeah. of a warehouse five minutes ago. And but you know, the thing attends is, I think, a board I meeting. Think you're that already, you're looks like no one knows who it is. The answer of that, I mean, you know, that position is so intrinsic to their sense of self, right? Their self-identity is so bought into that, right? And without it, it must be a huge shock to the psyche, you know? And I think, you know, we, we discussed this in the, in the previous podcast that I, oh, that of I talked course. about. And, you know, a lot of the, <laughs> a, a lot of the motivations for, the status, a lot of the motivation sometimes for hyper success is trauma, you know, and, you know, and, and that sense of, that sense of validation okay. from okay. many, many individuals. And a lot of it has to do with very low self-esteem and, you know, yeah. Well, sorry. So low self-esteem caused by the trauma as a, yeah. Potentially, you know. I mean, G Gabor Mate talks about that. You know, mm -hmm. he talks about some of the some of the motivations between his own striving was because of his own trauma. Yeah, to be able to be validated right? and and validation from many individuals. Yeah, but it must be it must be massively tiring to go through life right and to continue to need that validation from many individuals, right, from thousands, from hundreds of thousands, whatever. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, today's society with, you know, the with social media and whatnot, it's a perfect platform for that sort of thing, right? And it's unbelievably sad, yeah. I was thinking uh, recently, yeah, the, the relationship that YouTubers have with some of their viewers is called parasocial. Mm -hmm. You know this term? Uh, I'm not that familiar, but please, please continue. Yeah, well, I mean, just a, just a sort of a virtual relationship. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it, it only operates through the viewer viewing content mm -hmm. and maybe leaving a comment and there might be a like. Yes. And this is seen mm. as... And the dopamine hit from that like and from that comment, yeah. That, that, yeah. Those, those tiny, small dopamine hits, yeah, it's huge, yeah, yeah. It becomes an addiction. If, you know, yeah. Well, and the pastors mm. could sort of have a similar kind of parasocial mm. relationship with people because yeah. they don't spend actual physical time with them. And, and I think this is, this is a really interesting point, right, because the Hillsong platform is is perfect for that. So individuals like the Carl Lentz's, like the Bryans and like others, right, who, you know, really need that sense of external validation, well, they're naturally drawn to a place like Hillsong. And I suppose that's where, you know, something hmm. of a reflection on that, the, the, you know, the whole perpetrator-victim dichotomy within what's happened at Hillsong, 
I think sometimes it necessitates people to critically reflect, like what were the motivations for me to be in that place in the first place? Yes, absolutely. There was, you know, there was the, the desire, you know, to connect with people. There was the, you know, wanting to be part, you know, of something that's bigger than themselves. But I think many people are also attracted to the platform that it could potentially bring them. And many people who were deeply wounded were those who just weren't provided with that platform. Yeah. Oh, that's, I mean, that's some, that's some touchy stuff there. That's sensitive. Did you want to, I'm not, I'm not saying, I mean, I'm you're not saying, saying all, that there, but I, you know, many people, maybe not many people, but some people who were disillusioned by <laughs> some people were disillusioned. Absolutely. I think, you no, know, but, I I mean, think it does require a bit of um, trauma related. Or? I think it's, I don't know if it's trauma related. I think it's more that Hillsong provided a platform for people to be part of something bigger than what they were, right? If they were to go at something alone, they might have not received the opportunities, right? But Hillsong did provide opportunities, right, for what okay. people perceive to be the resemblance of success, you know? But there can only be a few, right? There can only be a few within that echelon. You know, yeah, and you right. know, many aspired for such, and um, not everyone got there. You know? and, that, and that is huge. I mean, those aspirations are often encouraged by leaders, or oh, or, absolutely, absolutely. You know, and, and this is pray yeah, a prayer. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, know, you're going to be. Yeah, you know that that's often what you know they they're, they're preaching. You know, to to change the world for Jesus, right? And to change the world under the Hillsong framework, you know, under the Hillsong umbrella, but there's only so many people who can have status within an organization. And then you have thousands of people jockeying for that. And, and it creates this sort of dynamic. And, you know, I, I think there should be more of a critical reflection from, you know, people who have left the institution. You know, that's how I refer to it. Previously, I, I, I never perceived it as a church. I thought it was just a, an institution, a corporation. And in the same way that, you know, people are trying to get promotions in a corporation, right? That's what people were trying to go for in, 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 in the Hillsong movement as well. So sometimes it, you know, it requires a bit of reflection in terms of what were my motivations and, and what, what did I bring in this particular exchange that that enabled me to be really hurt by this by this situation. I've, I've grappled with some of those questions, you know. Uh, now, I mean, well, what's the difference between that? Where do you draw lines then between that and victim blaming? Mm. Because and, and that's why when I did that interview with you a few years ago, I said that I didn't I didn't want to be portrayed as a victim, right? I didn't, I didn't view myself as a victim. I was yeah. someone who was deeply wounded yeah. by the experience, right? And certainly there were many things that I found were traumatic by the experience, but I mean, it was a very complex, it was, you know, it was a very complex relationship with this, right? There were many, there were aspects of it that, that attracted me to this environment. There were friends and things like that, right? There were many traumatic experiences that I, 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 I did, speak through those but i'd never saw myself as a victim i suppose in the classic way that um that, that you know we might articulate such but yeah what what do you think is that a male is that a male thing a hesitance to i because if if uh if you get hit by a car you may not have chosen that at all but you're the victim of a hit and run also, you know, that's how it's used. Are you a victim anyway or, or is that a choice thing? I mean, I know these are some big questions because I tell you what, damn important to people. Mm. And I think it's important to ask those big questions, you know. You know, critical reflection is, is you know, is, is integral to this, to what we're doing. You know, I think that a big part of your podcast has been around you know, people being honest about their experiences, people being honest about, you know, what they contributed in this particular space and maybe some of the the, the, the faults that, that they had as well. Yeah. So, yeah. 
what do we do? Because I guess part of that is as well, learning then how to become more protective of oneself. And, you know, there's a bunch of strategies through deconstruction that help, you know, learning about boundaries and saying no and, you know, all those different practical strategies. And I guess for me with this recent debacle in the media, you know, paying paying attention to your own sense of red flags. I'm so infuriated that to find out that literally my own Mm. central nervous system works, I immediately neglect my own instincts and seek external validation. You know, I mean, that's a combination of things. It's very, it's a very female thing. You know, we all call each other up first. That's a bit of a generalisation. But women can, Mm -hmm. you know, women often seek each other's opinions before they Mm -hmm. It's very much the evangelical born again experience where you just crush Mm. your own feelings Mm -hmm. and and seek validation Mm. from an external God. I I think there's huge problems growing up begging an external Mm -hmm. man for forgiveness, Mm -hmm. um, particularly for women. But yeah, you know, and redemption your whole Mm -hmm. childhood. And it's so, yeah, I mean, I, I, are there ways of changing that at this late stage in my life? I mean, what is this trauma that's bringing me to these tables then? Hmm, I can't be any different than the other kids. I'm just going to different tables. It's not going to church. I mean, it's vanity fair scam. Well, I think you've talked about, you know, you've talked about boundaries and things like that, right? How important you think are, are boundaries in engaging in these things, particularly when you, you know, you get quite a few invitations. Oh, I don't have any boundaries. <laughs> no. Um, don't, I don't have boundaries and that, I blame Brian for that. We're supposed to witness at every opportunity. So, um, you know, we were taught very much not to have boundaries, to violate other people's boundaries. It Look, it's... On a practical level, it's very different. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if this is reflective, the content that was made. I don't know if the content that was made is reflective of the future of storytelling where it's a docudrama series. Thing. So a bit of poetic license and a bit of clickbait and, you know, the amalgamation of all the different pieces of information on you know, because they threw in some animation in there as mm-hmm. well and some rap and, yeah. uh, do we never, you know, is because is, I wrote to Alex French and I said, this is why mainstream media is dead mm-hmm. and you killed her. <laughs> uh, they, think, they think it's the final word. Yeah. They think that that's it and that there's one opinion. At the end of this thing, Alex French says, I think Carl Lentz has paid for what he did. Mm-hmm. So he's the authority of this mm-hmm. thing. Uh, forget all the people who, mm-hmm. you know, literally shed tears and distress yes. in the previous mm-hmm. episodes, recounting their trauma mm-hmm. as well as their best attempts to engage with leadership and, you know, to seek reconciliation. No, it's the Carl Lentz show. It's a bait and switch, and I guess we just keep learning in life. Mm. I mean, I guess a worse move, a mm. worse move would have been to keep going. But I don't know. I don't know. I kept going last time. And and where to? Where to now? From for you? you Want to print t-shirts? <laughs> okay. I'm serious. It's about the t-shirts. I saw. Some woman on Vanderpump Rules just made like a million dollars on T-shirts. She bought a house. It's like, let's be serious. Facebook Reels and T-shirts is TikToks where there's, you know, a few (laughs) split screens. Okay. Um, Where you were before and where things are now, where do you think the end game is in terms of all all this, you know, yeah, Where, where, where do you think the end game will be? Is it, do you think there'll be an end game? I mean, what? So sorry for me, or for the mega church style of faith, or whatever that is. Like, 
Well, I think that's I think that's a greater discussion, and you know, I, I do hope that there'll be a similar reckoning in general for evangelical institutions, evangelical NGOs, mega churches, and things like that. Why? What will happen? Give me some hope. I hope, there, I hope there'll be a hope. greater level of accountability. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. What does that mean, though? Like, I mean, to, so we've got these people that the whistleblower documents have revealed, have, you know, spent extravagantly. You know, these papers would suggest, mm-hmm. would allege that, you know, there's been huge misappropriation of funds by Hillsong and its employees, uh, money laundering, fraud, tax mm-hmm. evasion. And yet, what? They're running around, you know, there's no one seems to be knocking on their door. What does accountability and consequence, what's it ever going to look like? Well, how, how, how would you like it to look like? Well, you know, shut the whole thing down, give $37 billion that they raise every year and put it into a universal basic income. I mean, you know, you'll throw communist tomatoes <laughs> at me, so I don't know. Yeah, how, 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 how um, would you like it? How would you like accountability to look like in this in this circumstance? These people need to go to jail for, you know, as any other as any other criminal mm. would have to stand trial mm. for that. I mean, they're white collar crimes, perhaps, but man, they're huge. This gloss, this assumption that these are the good guys, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. is is such a protective factor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Possibly even within a, a lot of us still kind of go, oh, they were the good mm. guys though, weren't they? I mean, they are kind of Christian. Yeah. And I think that that's probably the reason as to why the critique will just keep continuing because there is almost zero sense of accountability. There's, there's zero self-reflection. There's zero acknowledgement of any wrongdoing. And as long as that is the case, well, the critique will just, you know, continue. It will be relentless. You know, it might not be a flurry in the next weeks, but there will be things that will happen in the next months or in the next years. And it's largely because a lot of the people who were still, you know, in the upper echelons of the organization, they were involved in some dodgy stuff over the years, right? And more individuals become Mm. emboldened to talk about their experiences. So I think it's inevitable. If I was the head pastor of Hillsong and I wanted to change the, I suppose, the culture, right? I'd probably start with doing something along the lines of a, of a truth-telling exercise, right? Which which invited yeah. Yeah. individuals who'd been a part of Feel Soul to have a space to honestly tell the church of their experiences and there to be an honest reckoning of and an honest taking on board of the pain and suffering that they've caused. Fine. We can acknowledge that there was some good things that, that became good, right? But like still it doesn't right I'm 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 just saying, right? Because that is the thing that they always they always preface, oh we did this and that, blah blah blah, right? But it still doesn't take away from the fact that yeah, you know, yeah. there were many people's lives who were destroyed. And mm-hmm. in order to move forward to be able to be open to hearing those things, not, not just giving lip service on the platform. Sit there and say, yeah, we acknowledge that we really destroyed people's lives. How do you come back from that? I'm sorry, but what kind of a, like, where do you take it from there? Yeah, we're the kind of people that destroys people's lives, but, hey, we're changing our policies and we'll be right back. But, no. Sorry, but no. No, no but sometimes, no. you know. It's, it's sometimes about acknowledging the complexities of the human experience and, and also within within an organisation. I mean, we're messy people, you know? Yeah. You've heard people. I've heard people, right? A lot, a, a lot, of, a lot of the people mm. who are victims in this, mm. they've heard people. And I hope that we can come to a point where we feel such a sense of disappointment in ourselves that we can say, you know, I'm sorry that I really influence your life in such a negative way. Eat, you know, screw your int- intentions, whatever, right? Just to say that 
we are deeply, deeply sorry and we want to make amends. And sometimes, and sometimes that making amends and they might don't. require compensation, might require, you know, many other things, right? Ah. That, that, that will be the ultimate hurdle. And that's why what I've suggested will never take love because they know that, well, ultimately come, it will come down to that, right? And that will fundamentally mean the, ultimately I feel will be the end of the song, unfortunately. What do you mean, unfortunately? No, no, well, I mean, you know, well, yeah. <laughs> I know that it's a very important place and movement to a lot of people, but it's, you know, thalidomide was a great morning sickness drug. It really, really helped people with nausea. So, yeah, I, I just, um, the, the damage that was caused is, I, I, if you can measure that kind of stuff, that the damage that's been caused has not, you know, the positive outcomes that, that people talk about, it, it just, they don't seem to outweigh this, oh, this level of damage. Of a quick thalidomide reference there. <laughs> It'll show your age if you know what thalidomide is. Yes. If, right? if they generally want, wanted to to move forward, you know, for the resemblance of a positive institution. I think that's the only way yeah. in having a, you know, something of a, of a, of a truth telling um, platform for people to be, um, you know, a, a safe platform to people, for people to, to honestly. Yeah. Okay. I would never support that. I don't know. Disagree. I would never put the, quote unquote mm. victims on the perpetrators platform and get them to mm. outline it. I, no, I well, okay, well then 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 it could be a, an external an external yeah. thing that is linked. I, I think we need like a truth and reconciliation kind of meeting where there's some kind of amnesty <laughs> for people, but I guess not under an authority as well. Well I, um, I was going you know? to use I was going to use those words, but then I thought no. Well, yeah. And what it does it's it's you know it's the only way because people's uh, participation in the system as well as their what's the opposite of benefit yes. um, as you know as well as the the things that were so bad about it they, the, yeah the, the detriment yeah mm, you know it's it's complex it's nuanced and it's mm -hmm. part of the a, a very big conversation about. Who should take responsibility when, you know, what are the mitigating factors? What are the valid ones? What are the, mm -hmm. even to sum up, like Carl and Laura Lentz are both pastor's kids. Uh, Laura Lentz is the daughter of Marilyn and Kevin Brett, who Kevin Brett is one of Brian's oldest friends from when he was 15. Uh, you know, Laura describes not knowing that she wasn't related to the Houstons growing up. That's how close yeah. they all were. And she married uh, she married Brian's protege. Mm. You know, who is the child of a of a man who wrote a book called The Business of Church, Stephen Lentz, the lawyer. So, or is he a pastor? Religious family. So, what what's the extent of their choice in life? You know. Sure, Laura couldn't say she wanted to join the circus. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, yeah, it's really, and I think, like you said, it is. You know, they're important questions. There may not be answers, and yours is going to be different from mine. Who should be accountable for what? In, at yeah, what point in history? I think in simply talking through, talking through issues, and and to be able to ask difficult questions, and you know, to be able to critically reflect, as I said before, and. And to be able to change our own minds, right? I think I think that's important. You know, I think it's it's it was it was poignant what you put forward before about you know about the choices put put before people, and I think you know you can also feel a great deal of compassion as well for for people who grew up in an institution like that, and you know, yeah, might not have known any better. Or haven't been given a a different pathway, you know. Had they have been, they might have chosen differently. If they've heard something all their lives, right, in terms of what to pursue, well, I mean, is it 
you know, can someone be blamed for pursuing that? I don't know. You know, these are, these are difficult questions. They're told it's their, their, you know, God's destiny. and Absolutely. And they're raised in an environment that is, you know, so isolated from mainstream society in so many ways, even if it exists around it. Yeah. It's difficult to, you know, it's this whole victim-perpetrator narrative. You know, in, in asking, you know, what do we bring to the table, you know, in this and and also about and about others whom we might perceive as being perpetrators who might also be who might also be victims as well. So, you know, uh, very very common. Know, oh, of very course, common. yeah, we we all know this. You know, we all know this. Someone who's worked in, you know, has been a therapist in in. You know, correctional and, and detention facilities, yeah, absolutely. But I think this is a this is a greater discussion, and uh, we might have to reconvene at a different time. Yeah, I don't think it ends this one. Um, it's it's a struggle for a lot of people, you know. And we're, yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I just think we're all just sort of deconstructing as we go. Yeah. And all like it's it's actually pretty cool. We're all like learning from each other and. Doing a yeah. lot of I don't know. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, there have been times where cool. I feel such vehemence about it and such, you know, clarity, right, in terms of how I thought about mm. my experience. And then, you know, I don't, you know. I, <laughs> I struggle to articulate things, right. And then I do again, you know, and that's okay. It's it's yeah. being human and I it's so exciting to be human and not stuck with a system that you're supposed to abide yeah. by the rules of Absolutely. for being human. Beautiful. Thank you, Tanya. Um, it's been a nice, a really nice Thank discussion. Thank you. And everyone, um, keep on leaving Hillsong. Keep leaving Hillsong. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hello, hello. I hope that made some kind of sense to you all um, as to why I've been uh, complaining and complaining about the Vanity Fair thing. We'll put that to rest for now on this pod. I just know that there is something strange going on behind the scenes and I wanted to put it out there. I wanted to have it on record. Uh, my own book was dropped a week before it was supposed to go to print in 2007 by Alan and Unwin and you know you don't get reasons at the time for why things are really strange but when you know they are they are so we'll keep you posted uh and until then I think we're just going to have to own our own content it's just it's just not worth it anymore and luckily there's every tool in the world to use so we don't need Ah, those bright lights and those shiny limousines. So this week, as everyone knows, uh, Brian Houston is back in court the 15th and 16th of June. And you know that Leaving Hillsong will be there for you. I've got a really special interview coming up with someone very close to the start of all of this trial. Never happy until the ink's dry, so I'll let you know when that has been completed this week. We're going to learn a lot more about the law and Hillsong. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, Jake from The Framework and I have a bit of catching up to do to catch you guys up with everything going on. So we'll get to it. Thanks for sticking around. Thanks for your support. Thanks for your messages and your comments. It's all fantastic. Please just bear with us. There's so much to get done, but we'll be there. So uh, tune in. Be kind to those around you. Use kindness as your superpower. People don't really have much to come back with when you're kind to them. It's an interesting experiment. Try it out. Be good to yourselves and keep leaving Hillsong. And we'll talk soon. Bye.
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.